Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label and how to take the mystery out of running an independent record label. And today we're talking with a record label from Oklahoma City called Catapult Recordings. And here's what's so interesting about today's story is Cooper, who started Catapult Recordings when he was in high school, just a, he still is in high school. That's what's amazing about this story, is that he started this label when he was 14 years old and now he's I, I think he's 17 because the, the label's been around for three years. This is, it's it's fun for me because, you know, on the show, and we've, we've done 200 and some odd episodes now and, and interviewed over 100 record labels. And it's so great to hear so many different stories of people at different stages in their life and different genres and in, in different countries and different cities who have started a record label. And, and I think that's what's so amazing about this community. And really, it shows you that anybody can do it and that it doesn't matter where you're at in life, that this is something that if you want to start out on this journey that you can do. And so that's my conversation today with Cooper. And I think you're, it's fun. I mean, it's so cool. I mean, I wish I had started a record label when I was in high school, no doubt. If you are thinking about starting a record label, our website is jam-packed with resources for independent record labels. Not only if you're thinking of starting a record label, but no matter where you are at in the process of running and building your record label and growing your record label, to find out more about the resources we have, just go to our website, otherrecordlabels.com, where you can download things like our record label toolkit, which is a free download. And you can grab that by going to otherrecordlabels.com slash toolkit. Uh, your website looks great. It looks like, uh, I feel like it looks different than the last time I was there. Yeah, we've updated it uh, over the summer. Uh, definitely oh, it's making nice. some changes on there, but thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Very, very clean and... And it looks like you have uh, some other people working with you. Tell me about like, the, I mean, obviously I see two other folks on, on your website. So you have mm -hmm. like, how does that work? Yeah, so uh, Truman, who uh, I like to call the assistant label manager, he uh, actually lives down the street from me. Okay. And um, he will come over sometimes to the office and just uh, make CDs with me or work on you know, digital submissions and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, he is just like, I'd say my right-hand man. If I just need something yeah. super fast, he can just do it. And Grace, uh, we went to high school together. Um, she graduated two years before I did because I'm going to graduate this year. But um, she lives in Kansas City and she is my go-to person for anything art-related. Okay. So a lot of the artwork on the label for releases or um, any sort of artist branding, she handles all of that. Okay. Okay. That's great. That's really nice to have somebody doing that. And they and the the stuff does look really great. But that's that's so important. And, and I mean, just the design overall is is often overlooked, I think. Yeah, and I think having her do most of the art just creates like a look for the label. Yes. Like you just know that it's it's like a related release when you see two of our our releases together. Well, certainly I'm looking at your last or or the top 4 releases and that seems to be true. And I, I think I personally really appreciate that and I know some labels are more visually diverse, but I, I, yeah, I think it's actually cool when they kind of stick to a, a designer like Blue Note. <laughs> like I, I think yeah, it's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I, I love their work. 
I, I I take a lot of inspiration from them. Yeah, of course. We all do. Um, I, I'm curious. I, I don't want to make this about your age, but I do find it amazing because I didn't get my act together until my late 20s, probably even later, to be honest. So I, I'm just quite jealous of where you're already at. I couldn't see myself uh, doing anything like this when I was in high school. Um, nor, and, and even if I did certainly not sticking with it, I'm always, I was always flopping around, uh, on different things. So you started this when you were in high school, is that correct? Yeah. So I started it when I was, uh, 14 in oh my 2019. Gosh. So I was a freshman in high school, um, <laughs> ninth grade. And so, um, that's when I started to meet people who, uh, were, very talented, you know, with music and, um, were, you know, I was always known as like a tech guy. So if anyone ever had any uh, computer trouble or anything like that, they'd just come to me. Sure. Um, and so naturally when, you know, growing up in streaming in that era, um, and growing up with like iTunes and all that, it's pretty natural for me to get asked, like, how do I, get stuff on streaming right? Um, by my friends. And so I, I did some research into it and uh, I found it was not as hard as it sounded. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I was just learning more about labels and how to market a release. And um, I signed up for a DistroKid account, used my friend Julian, who he's still on the label, um, as like a, a test release, yeah. you know, a few yeah. singles and to see how it goes. And that's, that's kind of how it started. Well, you know, that's interesting because I've heard that, I've heard that for a lot of people. And I actually, when I got started with a label, I had already been self-releasing and I mm -hmm. had done that process of, uh, and now this was before streaming, to be honest, but uh, I had done that that process of like, where do you go to get CDs made? And I had made those uncomfortable phone calls, getting quotes and doing all that stuff. And I think that's oh, something yeah. really interesting. Like part of the DNA of being a label owner is like not being intimidated by those tasks. Cause a lot of those tasks are people like I've had indie artists just say to me, how do you get on Bandcamp?" And I'm like, that's easy. Like, <laughs> so I, I just feel like it's part of our DNA to yeah, search yeah. for those answers. Exactly. Um, and like I was listening to, uh, literally this morning, I listened to the Beggars episode uh, with Nabil, and that mm -hmm. was very relatable, I'd say. Uh, oh, just cool. growing up with music and and all that stuff, um, and how you know he said that most labels start out with you know friends wanting to release That's each right. other's work. Yes, and that is extremely uh, relatable in my case. I think what I like too about, you know, and I remember reading this on your website about what you just talked about, about your friends and your peers asking you questions and stuff. It's kind of interesting because all you're really doing is just closing this knowledge gap. Like, and, mm -hmm. and in order to be an expert, you just have to have done something that somebody, that somebody else hasn't done basically. And so mm -hmm. they're just saying, how do you get on DistroKid? You figured it out. And you know, instantly you're an expert, you know, uh, relatively compared to the people who haven't done that. <clears throat> yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I'm the kind of person who will sign up for something and then read all of the help documentation on how to do things right. Oh, nice. Um, so I learned a lot from just reading and, and watching YouTube tutorials and um, watching a lot of like musician YouTubers. Um, yeah, and just learning about that stuff. That's such a good uh, skill to have and, and you know, self-discipline to have because I was working on something on my website and it required a bit of coding. And I was just thinking, I'm going to give up. I'm like, I just don't feel like doing this or like I could maybe hire someone to do it. I'm like, and then, I, and then I kind of caught myself. I'm like, why don't you just try, like, just try, like, just try for an hour, watch some videos. And, yeah. you know, it, the, the answer is out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, I feel like now in the end that someone somewhere has had the exact same problem as you and you can find, you can probably find the answer online. Well, that's so true. Yeah, that's, that's right. So let's go back to when you're 14. And so that was, yeah. that was three years ago, right? Is that when you started 2019? Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Um, yeah, so I... Well, where did see. you get, I, I'm just curious, like in grade nine, uh, mm -hmm. where did you, like, how did you know about record labels? What did you know about record labels? Yeah, so I uh, grew up on on YouTube, and so uh, I was a huge fan of Casey Neistat, still am. Um, and he had made a Nike film uh, with a guy named Max Joseph, who uh, made a documentary. I was really into like film and mm -hmm. video making. I always have been. Um, you know, instead of doing sports with my friends, I would film the games for them. Um, when I was like seven. And so um, I was always really interested in that. And up until I started my label, I thought I would do a career in, in film. Um, and he had made a documentary uh, on DFA that I stumbled upon. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Uh, and I, I was just like, I, I this is mm. like really cool. I want to do this. Um <laughs> It was called uh, Too New to Be Classic or Too New to Be Old, Too New to Be Classic. Um, and it was, a, okay. it was a Red Bull short film sort of thing. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I saw that and it was around the time that uh, I think it was a friend of my mom's had introduced me to LCD sound system. So it kind of <laughs> just all connected. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so DFA is a label and they're an independent. They're not a major, but, um, you know, it's it's interesting how this stuff works. Um, and that's kind of where I got the idea to do it. Um, and that's as, about as much as I knew about labels at the time. Um, yeah. But my my bare idea was, oh, they just find artists, they sign the artist, and then they release the music. That was kind of the the idea behind a label to me at the time. Um, so when you were watching when you were watching this documentary, what was it about the this idea of a record label that was appealing to you that that seemed sexy? Yeah, I. I remember it being, um, and I watched it like last month, um, just to refresh my memory. I'll have to but, check it um, out. Yeah, it's really good. It's it's like ten minutes, really easy to watch. Oh, cool. Um, but uh, I I just saw the way that um, 
the artists like talked about Jonathan Galkin and uh, how he talked about the process of running a label and how um, like how their office was set up and how all of that stuff worked. And it was just somehow, I don't really know how, but some way it just appealed to me. Right, right. Yeah, I, um, I, I think, yeah. you know, it is, it is interesting because I, I was the same way at, you know, when I was younger about recording studios. I, I, I didn't mm-hmm. know what any of the equipment did or any of the lights and the meters. But anytime I saw a video or a picture inside of a recording studio where a band was behind a mixing console, there is something inside of me just kind of lit up. And, and, and I get that feeling now looking at, you know, when people post behind the scenes of their record label offices, you know, and seeing exactly. shells and shells yeah. of records, it, you almost, you just can't explain it for some reason. Yeah. Well, and I, I can totally relate to the, uh, to the, the recording studio. Oh, cool. Uh, just love of that. And, um, yeah, like I, I just see these like, um, record label offices and I'm like, I, I would love to do that, you know? And, and what is it about now? Okay, so now you've been doing this for mm-hmm. three years. You're an old pro. Uh, wh- what is it, um, what parts of the job that do you enjoy? Yeah, I, um, I really like, I think, every aspect of it from start to finish. And mm. I think the reason I've just done most things myself is because I want to go through the process with the artist or band and just experience what it's like to release an EP or an album or a single. Um, and I I really like, you know, from uploading it to uh, Spotify and all that, to literally hand-making the CDs and the cassettes myself. Uh, it's, it's just such an interesting process. Um, and yeah. I think there's no favorite part yes. of running a label. Yes. And I, that is amazing to hear because I agree with you. And I think that is, I think that's really important because the job is so diverse and because there's, you know, now you're, you're learning social media and you're learning, having to learn Photoshop and sometimes even Pro Tools, you know, or, or Adobe mm-hmm. Premiere or something. And, and you're just ending up having to wear all these hats. I think it's kind of almost necessary, almost mandatory to enjoy all the processes. Um, you know, yeah. you can't just be an A&R guy and hate accounting or, you know, hate the technical side of things. You kind of almost have to be everything. Yeah. Um, I will say accounting might be my least favorite part. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's lots of people who can relate. But um, yeah, I think just wearing all those hats has made me able to... Um, like answer any questions an artist might have, or um, it, it allows me to do things really, really quickly without having to rely on other people. Yes. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of one reason why I like to do everything in-house from distribution to making the CDs to marketing and all that stuff. Um, it's just really, uh, you know appealing to me, I guess, because, um, it's, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I, I just love it. Honestly. (laughs) That's great. So as we talk about all these things that you kind of have to do or or should do, how do you focus on one thing at a time 
without spreading yourself too thin. Or in the case of a lot of entrepreneurs getting distracted by shiny objects and, and, and thinking, hey, we should do this or we should get into this. And then almost not doing anything well as opposed to doing a few things really well. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, um, I would definitely say one of the big, uh, you know, things that helps me out with that kind of stuff is limiting uh, the time I spend with new releases versus how to uh, expand like the service offerings and all that stuff. Um, mm. You know, we'll only release like three to maybe five or six things a year. Okay, um, and that's. For the reason of you know, like I'm, I'm still starting. Like I don't think I've, yeah, that's um, good. That's a good mentality. Gotten to a place where I'm like, okay, now I can just put this on autopilot. Um, I'm still like building a foundation of the label. It feels like, and oh, so, sure. um, limiting the releases because you know there's such a big process behind releasing something new. It, it helps to focus on what can we do better. Um, and so that's kind of one big overall thing that helps me with only staying on one track at a time. Right, right. No, that, that is really good. And, and so you, I think you had mentioned label services or something. Is that something you guys do? Yeah, I would say so because we, we don't own any masters. Okay. Um, and all of our artists own their own stuff. Um, so I guess you could put us in the category of label services because we do everything, at least I hope we do everything the label does, but um, without the, you know, um, the nature of, you know, a major or major independent label where you're not going to own your masters or um, anything like that. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I kind of like to think of it as a curated like one-stop shop for our artists. Oh, I see. Oh, okay, so it's it's like label services, but there are art, but you still are pretty picky with like who you work with. Is that kind of the exactly? Thing? I see. Yeah, I see. So you know, going back to um, you know, going back to your age and where you're at in life. And, and, you know, I see this with some of the the labels uh, that we've talked to over the years that have, that have kind of, the people lose interest in their label or their life changes, or they go to school and, and now they're going to med school. And obviously that requires all their attention. So how do you plan on maintaining or sustaining this dream over the long term? Have you thought about that? I mean, you know, life changes so much, especially at your age, uh, things can get volatile, sometimes in a good way, sometimes not. Have you thought about this? Do you care? Do you have a long-term plan of what, what the label looks like uh, long-term? Yeah, I I don't have anything in writing as far as like a long-term plan, but I definitely think about it from time to time. Um, and I think sustaining it, because that's what I want to do in the end, of course, is you know keep this going forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that is, you know, not only doing what I do for our artists, but helping other communities and, and little independent labels, um, do what we do. And, um, like part of that was back in, I think like December of last year, 
maybe January of this year, but um, we'd opened up a, a label group sort of uh, business where it's a bunch of local uh, businesses here in Oklahoma City who are, you know, music centric and, um, you know, focus on bringing out the best of what uh, Oklahoma City has to offer um, and just helping them, you know, expand either their reach or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's super important because, you know, you want to be well known in your community and um, you want people to to know who you are. So it's super important to do that kind of stuff. And I think that's going to help sustain uh, my dream of, of this label for the long term. So I'm on your website. I'm curious. There, it seems like there's other labels mentioned. Um, what am I? What am I looking at there? Like, yeah. So you're you're probably looking at the Catapult Recordings Group, and that is uh, our label and three others um, who we partner with. One is uh, Circle Lotus, who does like a live stream. I want to say every week. Okay. Uh, with a new up and coming. Oklahoma City or, you know, surrounding area artist. Um, And so they do like a yearly compilation Mm -hmm. that is usually donated to a, uh, well, actually has always been donated to a local charity um, and all that stuff. And so we help with distribution for that and making the cassettes and getting it into stores and digital distribution and all that sort of thing. Another one is uh, Shady Neighbor. They are working on a recording studio here in Oklahoma City, and they do a bunch of uh, community releases and, you know, big groups, of like a band that's a big group of, of local musicians and that sort of thing. And the last one is uh, the Cooper Soundwaves archive label, and that is uh, Jesse Allen Cooper, who was a, a really popular saxophonist and um, musician, who kind of got screwed over by CD Baby. And I had known him from mutual friends and he had reached out to me and just, you know, had said, hey, I love what you're doing with your label. Hmm. Do you want to be my distributor and like sort of manage my catalog? Um, And so that's kind of what we do for him is an archive sort of thing where we're just doing what we do for our artists, but with his music. Um, That's very cool. So that's probably what you're looking at. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. And so what made you think to do that? Like why? I mean, a lot of labels are selfish and want to just do their own thing. What What is the benefit of of having a group of labels? Um, I would definitely say it is uh, more appealing to uh, major independent distributors. Uh, okay. When you say, oh, you're, you know, you're a label group. Um, so it can be a better deal for the people involved with your label. Um, another thing I would say would be that it's all about uh, community community for me. Mm. So getting everyone together and meeting everyone and just creating this bond um, just really helps, uh, you know, just helps me learn things and helps me, um, just take into account how much community is involved in 
an indie label. You know, that actually is something I don't think about too much on this show, especially because, you know, as, as things become so globalized and we, and with the internet and the reach is infinite. And, I, but it's a good point because when I think back to my early days, it was, you know, we never really thought about why would anybody in a different country or in a different part of the country care about what we we're doing. And so the internet was an afterthought and, and we were more about putting on events in here in the city. And there's something interesting about how those roots can really help you grow and, and how it, it having that. And I think you've, you've said it is, is that it, it, it you know, it ends up just being confidence. It's a little bit of money, but it ends up just being, okay, listen, I've got the support of my city and my community and now we can grow bigger and, and keep going. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's a great reminder that you've given me. Uh, I think, oh yeah, I forgot there was a time that your community, your local in, in real life mattered more uh, or at least equal to the the efforts you put in online. Yeah, and definitely I would say the Oklahoma City music scene is growing at a substantial rate because um, Tulsa has always been known as, as a, a music city to me. Um, and it's only, you know, an hour or so away from Oklahoma City. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's been fun to, to just see the state's uh, music culture just grow, um, especially growing up in it has been super amazing. I feel like there's parts of the country that it would take a long time to shed, you know, uh, that kind of traditional sound, you know, whether it's, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's Memphis or, you know, Memphis isn't known necessarily for modern indie rock, or it isn't known for electronic music or certainly wasn't historically known. And, and Oklahoma, you would just, you, you, you would not think of lo-fi indie rock. You would not think of techno, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? So there's, it must take a while to kind of shed that. Certainly from, from my perspective, I'm, I'm not in Oklahoma. I've been there once, but I, 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 you know, you just, you think of the common denominator that everyone refers to some of those states as it must be hard to shed that image, especially outside yeah. of the state. Yeah. And I grew up thinking that the only kind of music that was made in Oklahoma was like, country music. Sure. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I've grown up on, on a farm with my mom and my sister <laughs> and, uh, it's definitely from a very early start, just put the thought in my mind that Oklahoma is like a country music state. Oh yeah. Um, right, right. But no, there's, there's a lot of great talent here. Um, and we've got a great local music school that I actually do plan on attending oh, cool. uh, next year. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a big, uh, just resurgence, I think, in all these different bands and the art movements we have here and all that sort of stuff. So, being from Oklahoma, growing up on a farm, I mean, starting a record label, especially this kind of record label, I, I feel like it's an advantage because it's like, uh, what did they say? Like big fish in a small pond as opposed to like, uh, what is it? Small fish in a big pond. You know what I mean? Like, it, <laughs> yeah. I just feel like, I feel like that it's, wouldn't it almost be easier to get recognition than, than, than if you were starting this in, in, in Brooklyn? 
I would definitely say so. Um, I know there's a few labels here who I'm friends with, and they are amazing. Um, and it's it's been fun to to meet them and and just see what they're doing because um, I know there's one in Tulsa uh, and there's two and actually two in Tulsa and um, yeah I I don't know of any in Oklahoma City uh, that are like you know full on record labels but right. um, yeah I know that just growing up I I remember the hearing like, oh, did you know the Flaming Lips are from Oklahoma? And uh, mm. I have a, I mean, I have a friend who lives down the street from from Wayne Coyne and um, oh, cool. all this stuff. And uh, I think yeah, I've seen his house on Google Maps. Didn't he like do some funny things on Google Street View? Uh, I don't know about that. I haven't oh. heard of that. Okay. But um, <laughs> yeah, he, he lives... Uh, just in a in a nice neighborhood. Oh, okay. and I, I don't remember exactly where it is, but oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's it's just been fun, and uh, the music school is on a street that was renamed like Flaming Lips Way, I believe. Oh, cool. Oh, so um, they're they're embracing that. Yeah, and the president of the school, which is the Academy of Contemporary Music at University of Central Oklahoma. Uh, I, I guess the president is what you'd call him. I'm not sure uh, what you'd call the head of a, a sure. college, but um, his name is Scott Booker, and he's the the manager of the Flaming Lips, and I know him, and he's great. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah. That's it's awesome. just been fun to grow up, like, right outside of Oklahoma City um, and just seeing how that culture has grown over the last few years. Sure. I forgot to ask you, uh, and I'm not even sure if I've asked you this before, but what does the the name mean, catapult? I think I could guess. Um, gun to my head, yeah. Out, but <laughs> well, what is your guess? I'm interested to hear. Okay. Um, well, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I think about something getting started and something launching, and um, I, I guess I would I would also think about like the beginning of something like a catapult is like something that is you're just des- you're describing something that is launching something. So I guess I guess maybe if if I were to to guess more on the nose, I would probably say like catapulting people's music careers. But I also, yeah, I mean you you got it. There That's you go, hundred okay. percent right. Um, okay. Yeah, so it was a a late night phone call with a friend who uh, I was working with and he was just like, well, I guess you're, you're like taking these like, you know, tiny artists that no one knows about um, and just like, just jump starting and, and just like, like a catapult. And I was like, oh, well, that's our name catapult. We can just use that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I also feel like so, there's yeah. also I would read into it too that like it would have meaning for you as well just because you're young and it's like this label is catapulting your your own career and your own trajectory. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely transformed into that over the last year or so I I'd, I'd say um so I can definitely agree with that. What are your challenges? Like, what 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 are you as uh, either a regular independent label, a, a young you know new startup 
label. What kind of challenges do you face? Uh, and is, is it because of your location or your age or just the fact that you're a new label or, or do you, are you experiencing any challenges at all? I would definitely say the largest challenge I've faced has been uh, not being able to form the label into a business, like an LLC, because I'm not 18 yet. Oh, right. Um, right. So I'm looking forward to my, oh my, my 18th birthday where I get to do the paperwork <laughs> for all that. Um, you put it on the cake. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Sign it with ice um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so that's been probably the largest challenge because, you know, distributors like to, uh, you know, they're like, oh, well, you're not an LLC. Well, I guess we'll just put you as like doing business as, which is really annoying. But yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's been annoying uh, for sure. But I, I wouldn't say there's any like disadvantages when it comes to like my age or my location or any challenges I've faced. Um, well, that's it's, good. It's been a smooth ride. Yeah, no, that's great. And so then opposite of that, what, what has been working for you? Like, is there a part of the business that's been, uh, exciting the most or, or surprising or, or, or that you think is promising? Yeah, I definitely think, um, it's exciting that I get to, uh, have the opportunity to start this when I was really young, because there's, like the, the last three years have been, and I guess until I'm an d- adult, um, there's room for screwing up and sure. there's room for, you know, some failure here and there um, and losing money and that sort of thing. Um, it's, it's definitely been uh, exciting to see the growth, but it's also been a giant learning curve um, in terms of like what we can and can't do. But, yeah. um, I, I would definitely well, say, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. you you finished. I thought you were finished. I think the internet just cut out, but continue. Oh, um, so I would definitely say there's a giant advantage to growing up with social media because mm. of TikTok. Like all my friends are on TikTok and we all know, what's in and what's not. Sure. Um, and like, we're starting a record label TikTok soon and and that's going to be fun. Um, and I know a lot of labels do that. Uh, but I think growing up in the age of like social media, like I grew up as uh, with an iPod and, um, and I didn't grow up around a lot of like physical media. And so I think right. seeing that come back, uh, well, for me, I guess it would be the first time I experienced like vinyl um, has been extremely exciting. Right. Yes. Well, I think what's so cool about your unique situation, and, and hopefully we'll see more of this as more young people start labels, but what's so unique is that, like you said, you have a different background. It's not a background that's rooted in in physical media like cassettes or CDs. It's not, you know, it's not necessary. You probably weren't even really too aware of the piracy era. And so just mm-hmm. just the idea that you're coming in this from a different background, with a, from a different position should create something novel. It should, it should bring us new ways of doing things um, because you're, uh, 
your environment was different the, what that you grew up in in the music industry i think that's something that we haven't seen yet because a lot of the people in my community and the other record labels community are are relatively similar in age to me and so we kind of mm-hmm. all share the similar influences and nostalgic uh, experiences and so for you that's different and and hopefully that means a a different label than the ones that we've created yeah, I, I would definitely say so because uh, when we were first signing all of the artists that we currently work with, uh, a lot of them as of now are either college students or just graduated from college and they're all relatively close to my age. And so um, we're all just going together on this big adventure of starting a label together. Yeah. Um. I think that's great. I actually, I had a question and and you've answered it was, you know, if you would feel that there was any disadvantage of being young and, you know, I think it's not registering for an LLC and then uh, any advantage to being young. And and of course you've mentioned social media. Is there other advantages that you feel like? I, I mean, I, I, I think I'll answer that question for you, but I, I feel like I look at you and you mentioned this already. And, and I think, People have lower expectations of young people, certainly to, even today. Like there's these memes of like entitlement and all of these things, which I don't believe to be true. But I, I you know, people have uh, lowered their expectations of, of today's generation for whatever reason. Maybe that's always been the case. Um, but gosh, that's got to work to your advantage, you know, that you it, can. It does. <laughs> it absolutely does. Um, yeah, because I've always. Uh, been someone who uh, under promises and over delivers, I guess you could say. <laughs> yes. Um, and so it's it's been fun, like, because I know most of our artists don't find out that I'm like 17 until after they've signed and they're like, oh, cool. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's- I remember, uh, yeah, I just remember that. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you literally signed to a, a a child's record label. A, a ch- <laughs> it's a children's like record a, label. A, do you do children's music? No, it's run by a no, child. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wait, so um, can you tell me if this has ever happened? When you met, first we were meeting with a band back when you were 14, did you mm-hmm. like sit on Truman's shoulders and then wear a trench coat and like walk into the meeting? You know those things in the cartoons? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the two kids with the trench coat, yeah. Um, <laughs> or do a, no, do a phone call with I, like a, a lowered voice? Yeah, and so, um, like, I know, uh, I remember meeting uh, Chloe, Butch Wifey, uh, very early on over Zoom because of some mutual friends that we had. Um, And I I was uh, 15 at the time. And uh, I remember, I was always, and I still am pretty confident when it comes to, like, meeting new people. And, you know, this is over Zoom, so you don't, physically see me and so uh it was like okay you could be 18 but you could also be very young and I don't I'm not I can't speak on her behalf but I don't know what was going through her head because at the time I was either a freshman or a sophomore in high school right um 
And so, yeah, it was, uh, you know what, it was though, just super funny. I, I, okay, if I was an artist and you know a label was pursuing me, then I hopped on a call with a 15-year-old, I, I would be taken aback. I'll, I'll be honest. I'd be taken aback. Um, it, it, would be a great, it would be a great story to tell later in my career. But at the same time, and, and I don't know, you know what I would do when it comes to turning over your music. It all depends on like how, you know, uh, where I was in my career. But at the same time, then there's these stories where young people start businesses and they develop apps and they do mm -hmm. super incredible things and they go to the Olympics and win gold medals and they're only, you know, 15 years old. Like there are some amazing things that young people do that I almost feel like, I, you know, would be advocating on your behalf and thinking, hold on a second, there's an advantage. There's an advantage that they don't have to make ends meet in the same way that somebody with a family and a mortgage might have to, and and that they yeah. have more energy and that they would look at things uh, um, less jaded and they would, you know, be more enthusiastic. So I, to me, I, I could be taken aback, but I would also see the positive. Absolutely. And I remember, uh, I think it was earlier last year, um, I was setting up an account with Infinite Catalog and I'd met uh, with one of their their reps, uh, Ari, who uh, I think are like third meeting in. He was like, wait, how old are you? Because I, I don't remember what I said, but he had questioned it. And um, he was like, that's great. Like, I think that if anyone can do it, and has the like if anyone has the drive, anyone of any age can do a record label nowadays, and I I completely agree with that. Um, well, my because I think go ahead. Uh, I think if the um, if the confidence is there, and if you feel like you can do it, then go for it. You know, that's what I did. Hundred percent. I'll have we'll have to ask Hunter if you are the youngest account holder with infinite catalog. Cause I, I mean, I'm sure you are, and that would be something to brag about. That would be something cool. Um, but I, I think that, um, I don't know. I just, it's, to me, it's, it's really exciting. And I've always, you know, and I'm, I'm working on an episode in the future about this, about how record labels take time and that, you know, we just can't expect, and this is true for all businesses, but it takes a long time for brands to grow. It takes a long mm -hmm. time for people to, to, for you to learn what your customers want and for you to learn how to, to scale and to be efficient. And for you to start this at such a young age, you might get to that place where you have pivoted enough that you've just totally locked into what works, found out how to be profitable, and you may not even be 20 yet. And, and that to me is amazing because I was in my mid twenties when I got started and it's taking me a long time to figure out how to make it work. And if it does take you a long time, then you're still going to be 10 to 20 years ahead of everyone else. So honestly, I'm giving you unsolicited advice right now, but like keep going at this because you have an incredible head start. And I just think, oh my gosh, I'm really jealous. Honestly, I wish I could go back in time and start a label in high school. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm just incredibly thankful and grateful for uh, what like my family has done, and uh, of course, like the resources that you've made, and just everything that has led up to today um, for just 
mm. giving me the opportunity to to run a label because um, it's something that I never thought I would do. Like music was the last thing I would ever wanted to do. Interesting. Um, but I think having such a uh, a mindset of like running a business at such a young age because I've done freelance web design since I was you know like eleven. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's just been like oh well I can do music which I've always uh, loved listening to music but I I was never good at making music um, and I don't really have the knack for it but I can blend my like bare bones knowledge of business with music and listening to it and being a fan and just create it into this. So in closing, I want to ask you, what is the dream? What is What are things look like in 10 years um, at your 10-year anniversary, which you'll be 24, which is hilarious. But uh, what, what do things, what, what does your dream look like for, for this label and for you personally? I know you're going to school soon uh, for this. So, so tell me, what does that look like in a, in a perfect world? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say um, I'd hope that we had our first final pressing out by then. Um, that's, that's something I've always wanted to do was vinyl. Mm. Um, but I would definitely say like overall, it would be just this, but on a larger scale, working with more artists, you know, with a larger team. And cause sometimes I feel like I get too caught up in the business side, you know, filing paperwork on behalf of artists and just, not doing enough creative work with the artist yes. or on a release where I can delegate, you know, the business side of things to like, you know, setting up songwriter accounts and um, working out like contracts and all the, all the really like, you know, business sides sure. of things. And cause I love doing the creative work. I think it's one of the, the most, well, it is the most important part of, of a release and just like the branding around it and all that. I love working on that kind of stuff. Um, and so I guess my dream would be, it, as our 10-year anniversary, would be to have a larger team who can work with all of the artists um, that we hopefully have by then. You know, I, I'd love to hit like 10 artists or something like that. Um, how are because you? Because I just... Uh, sorry, I just I'm just had this question to interject here. Like, how are you mm-hmm. tracking your your success? Like, do you have monthly goals or, or yearly goals? Like, how do you know that if you are working towards that goal that you just mentioned? I would definitely say I have like a yearly goal in my head. Um, you know, when I, when we're ending this year, I, I towards to think of, um, like just how we've grown. And I just like to look back and be like, oh yeah, we did this like really early on because I feel like nowadays with the pandemic. I mean, it's a day away from being September. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just goes so so fast. Yeah. Um, that I, so I just like to look back and just see the growth that we've had like this year and the year before and before that. And and I don't think I have a preset goal like, oh, I want to have like, you know, 10 releases out this year or whatever. Yeah. It's it's really about just seeing the constant growth from the previous year's success, I would say. That's how I tend to look at it. 
That, um, that's so genius. It really is because, I mean, it's one thing to have goals and that's, you know, like explicit goals. But I started doing this, my own thing back many years before Spotify would do their their Spotify wrapped at the in mm-hmm. December. But in December, I would, I'd go through our YouTube subscribers, look at, look at the numbers, uh, you know, compared to last year. And then I would, I would tally up all of our streaming numbers year over year. And I would look at all of our Bandcamp plays and our, and our, and then of course our sales. And I would look at that and I would compare it to the year over year. And I go, wow, that is really substantial. And it never felt like it on, exactly. a, on a day-to-day basis. But yeah, when you look at it in December, you go, Good job. And and was that our goal? I don't know. Did we have a goal of, of growth? No, we didn't, but we grew. And, and I always, that propelled me into the, the coming year. Exactly. I can totally agree with that. And I feel like there's so much data nowadays with That's right. streaming yeah. analytics and YouTube and website and Bandcamp and merch orders and all this stuff that you just, you you should really take a step back and just see how much you've done in one year. I mean, it's crazy. Um, totally and I'm sure, agree. like you said, you can relate to it, but um, yeah, it's it's just wild how much can happen in a year. Yeah, And it's just always been in my mind to not have quotas or like written down goals because eventually, you know, I, I will have written down goals, but um, for now, it's just really interesting to see, uh, like I said, how much can happen in a year and how you don't really realize that when you're working on stuff every day. Yeah, no, it's to- it's totally true. And I mean, goals are great, but there's also not having them or not paying too much attention to them, especially in your position where you're at. It's almost better at this stage to follow your nose and just to kind of do what feels right and then look back and say, did that work? Did that not work? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I cannot believe what you've accomplished so far. And 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 you are certainly the youngest label owner, label founder that we've ever had on this show, over 200 episodes. And I, I bet you you're the youngest label on <laughs> an infinite catalog as well, which I think is something to be proud of. Uh, so congratulations on how far you've Thank come you. so far. And I honestly will be be just subscribing and paying attention and watching um, because it's it's a story I like to tell of, of someone who started a label at 14. So amazing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on. It was great chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. So great to chat with this label. What an incredible story and what an incredible future that Cooper hopefully has with Catapult Recordings. You can check out Catapult Recordings by going to catapult, that's spelled the normal way, recordings.com. And if you are 14 years old and thinking about starting a record label or anywhere between 14 and 114, make sure you download our free toolkit for record labels by going to otherrecordlabels.com slash toolkit. It contains things like a how to start a record label workbook, a checklist, a sample recording contract, and so much more. Just go to otherrecordlabels.com slash toolkit. It's free to download.